We'd like to remind you that if you are experiencing symptoms of a heart attack, stroke, or any life-threatening medical emergency, please call 911. Please do not delay seeking treatment during the COVID-19 epidemic. Most Providence emergency rooms are open and CDC-required safety measures are being taken to protect patients and hospital staff. If you are unsure of your symptoms, please use our telehealth services and speak with a healthcare professional that can better assess your symptoms and provide direction on the best course of action. Please do not let the worry of COVID-19 cause delay in seeking out treatment if you are experiencing a heart attack or stroke. Every minute treatment is delayed can be fatal. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the future of health on Dash Radio during this coronavirus pandemic. We're lucky to have many experts around our COVID-19 topic and many guest hosts. Remember to visit coronavirus.providence.org for more information. I want to thank you for joining us here today for an update on Providence's response to COVID-19. I want to remind everybody that this video is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or healthcare provider with any questions you ha may have regarding a medical condition. So joining me here today, I'm really excited about this discussion, is Dr. Amy Compton Phillips. She's the Chief uh, Clinical Officer here at Providence. Hi, Amy. Hi. And also joining us is Dr. Kevin Caserta. Kevin is the Chief Medical Officer for Providence Southwest Washington, and he's also the Site Administrator for the Providence Centralia Hospital. So welcome, Hello. Kevin. How are you? Great well, to see thank you. Guys. A beautiful sunny day in the Pacific Northwest. So thank you both for taking time to talk with us today and, and with our audience out here. Um, Amy, you've got such a large role at Providence. Can you tell us what's most on your mind? Tell us a little bit about your job and what's most on your mind right now. Sure. Well, I, you know, thank you so much, Lori. I, I am responsible for the clinical care that we provide at Providence. And so we care for about 5 million patients a year across our 51 hospitals and thousand medical clinics and want to make sure that we deliver the right care to the right patient at the right time, every time, you know, kind of world-class care with a heart. Um, that's really all about our mission. And what I'm thinking about right now is, is how we go on to the next stage of our pandemic. Because you and I and everybody on the, the call knows that um, coronavirus isn't gone. We have, we have really helped because everybody's been amazing. What, what a fantastic public response. Um, we've helped flatten the curve. And so now we have to figure out how we both continue to, to go on living while we make a living, right? And that means opening up our economy and how, we, how do we do that safely in a way that preserves the gains we've made against coronavirus um, while, while we um, get back to our world. Um, and as such, we have to do things in healthcare. We're thinking about how do we make sure that healthcare is safe? And by the way, it is. We've learned a lot in the past hundred days fighting this germ that it's safe now to actually start taking care of people with cancer and multiple sclerosis and, and arthritis. And so, so we're working on that piece. The other piece we're working on is the PTSD type aftermath that we absolutely expect in our communities from all these vast changes. So we're balancing within our footprint, how do we get going again into our daily life and how do we deal with the aftermath of this incredible disruption? And, and we've got a lot of services at, at Providence too, just to support people that are in need with some of those uh, mental health issues too. Um, and I think we're going to have some some links for you on our screen down below because we really do want people to be seeking support if you're feeling overwhelmed by what's going on. So, 
Amy, thanks for that. And and Dr. Caserta, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your role is here at Providence? Sure. Thank you, Lori. And, and thank you, Amy, as well. And so I am blessed to serve as our chief medical officer for Providence Southwest Washington. So that's Olympia, Washington, and then Centralia. And then I serve as our site administrator at Providence Centralia Hospital. And actually right now, I have a really wonderful job. I'm also our incident commander for the COVID-19 crisis. And Amy is so correct about the safety of our hospitals. And in fact, some people ask, well, is it safe to come into a hospital or Providence or another clinic? And I actually would counter that and say, is it safe not to do so? And unfortunately, we've had some patients in Providence and then actually other hospital systems that I've heard about that have waited too long to come in. And these are people with things such as chest pain from a heart attack, a stroke. I've heard of people who waited too long for a bowel obstruction, as well as a case not at a Providence hospital, but a patient waited too long and actually ended up with an amputation after a bad fracture. Oh, wow. And it's, it breaks everyone's in healthcare's heart when we could do something to help people. And in fact, people aren't coming in and we can't help if they're not here, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, Amy, before we were, when we were talking, just as we got together, she said the main message is your health can't wait. So we want to we want to emphasize that with people. Um, just it is time to come back. Um, we're ready for our patients, and it is very safe. And your health can't wait. So, um, what are the risks? I mean, you just talked about some of them, doctor, about uh, delaying care. But what are some of the other risks that you're seeing with people um, in delaying treatment? Either really, one of you. yeah, really good question about the risk. Is if you look at you know the American Heart Association and other associations, they talk about time is hard or time is brain, right? And so we know for a fact that if somebody is coming in with a life-threatening injury or an illness, which would include bad infections, such as what comes with sepsis, we know that if we could start treatment early, whether that's opening up the blood vessels to the heart, opening up the blood vessels to the brain, starting antibiotics, or somebody needs IV fluid if they're septic, we can save lives. But we can't do that if people aren't coming in to get the, the care that they need. And, you know, it's interesting. I don't know about you guys, but I've actually been out to several different stores and I won't name names or anything like that. And I could say for a fact that our hospitals are the safest parts in the community right now. So if you came into one of our Providence clinics or one of our Providence hospitals, all of our caregivers are screened. Um, for temperature, as well as, as well as other potential symptoms of COVID-19. People coming into our building are screened as well. Our caregivers are wearing masks to protect themselves as well as others. We have the PPE that we need. And I think as Amy knows, our supply chain really have been the unsung heroes in this whole crisis. Absolutely. They have made exactly. sure that we have the masks, the gowns, all that stuff that we need. And so we're ready to take care of our communities. Yeah, you know, can I pile on there, Kevin? Because I think you're 100% right. Um, the, the other thing is, so we've got on one end, the most acute care, and we've seen 
people coming in for heart attacks and strokes drop by a third to a half, depending on different facilities. And we do not think COVID cures heart attacks. So we think people are riding them out at home, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it's, it's not good. Sure. They're, yeah. We can't save their hearts if that happens or their brains if that strokes, right? But it goes all the way across the continuum. And so right now, what we're working on doing is saying not only come into our hospitals because we know it's safe, but by the way, that that tumor that might be cancerous that we put off because it wasn't emergency surgery. Like, you know, if I'm a person sitting at home with a potentially cancerous tumor, I think it's kind of an emergency. But but as you categorize surgeries, we only get to call them emergency or elective. And so right now we're taking those ones that aren't like, you know, I'm going to do it at my convenience type surgeries, but, yeah. but really it's important to do this sooner rather than later. And we're screening everybody for, for COVID, for coronavirus before they come in to get surgery, just to make sure we keep the entire healthcare system safe so that we don't inadvertently expose anybody to someone. And because as you know, um, some people can have minimal symptoms. They might just think they have pollen allergies, right? And it right. might be a very mild case of COVID. So we're doing lots of screening for people that are coming in now as we start ramping back up surgical care. The other thing we've done to help keep healthcare safe, which has just been an amazing switch um, of, of how we provide care across the whole country, honestly, not just within Providence, mm -hmm. is our, our um, physicians in their offices have just flipped the switch and, and all of a sudden been able to create virtual care for right. patients. And so now we can have patients. I just was talking with, um, with one of my hero nurses, um, colleagues that her husband got reached out to by her, his orthopod, um, because he was due for his, uh, follow-up visit after his hip replacement a month ago, six weeks ago, and, and said, Hey, let's check in for your virtual visit to make sure your hip is going well. And, you know, with a camera, you can say, can I lift my leg? Can I right. move the way exactly. I'm supposed to? So it's been really fantastic seeing, seeing not only the community step up, but seeing our doctors and our nurses and our respiratory therapists and our supply chain step up and figure out, knowing that COVID is going to be bubbling along in the background until we get a vaccine, how do we safely balance that, that um, ability to get life back going again? Exactly. And, and how have we decided which uh, procedures that we're gonna open up and what departments and how many patients we can take, you know, how, how has that all been decided and what's, what's kind of the plan moving forward there? You know, Lori, the great thing is we have clinical experts throughout Providence. And so just speaking even from the hospitals that I, I serve, we actually have the experts themselves. So the surgeons, the anesthesiologists, the proceduralists, they come together almost on a daily basis now and they look at the cases and say, yes, this one is really fits into that urgent category. And we don't want that uh, patient to have to wait. And so they do a discernment uh, throughout. And the good news is, as Amy noted, with our PPE supplies, with the processes that we have in place, and with the COVID testing, we are actually going to be able to gradually and just in a stepwise, intelligent fashion, guaranteeing the safety of our caregivers and our patients we're going to gradually increase the levels of procedures that we're able to uh, provide. You know, a lot of people talk about a, a total knee re replacement being just completely elective. Well, the reality is if I am having to take pain medications because of that, and I can't get up and doing the exercise that I need to do, there's a reason that we do these cases, right? And yeah. so we're hoping 
um, one for our discernment, and then two is our governors in each of our states uh, allow to continue to expand to meet the community's needs. Because that's what we've been doing for uh, nearing 200 years now as Providence, and we want to keep on doing that. And, and what about, you know, Amy, the, the uh, clinic operations too? What, what about that piece of business that, that people want to get back and they want to do their well care visit or they want to check their dermatologist? Um, what, what are we doing in, in those kinds of situations? Well, we're, we're reaching out to a lot of people whose care has been deferred um, okay. because, because, you know, it, we, we know that we need to get kids their immunizations. Um, they do work, right? We, we don't yeah. want to, we don't want to give away gains there. We know people with diabetes and, and heart disease need their routine ongoing care. Um, so, so we are doing several different things. One is, as I mentioned, we're doing a huge amount of virtual care that we've never done before. So offering particularly for ongoing chronic conditions. Um, our clinicians, our, our docs, our nurses, our nurse practitioners are reaching out and saying, hey, would you like to, to get seen? And we'll just do it via Zoom or you know, via, via video chat instead of yeah. with you in person, right? So that's one option. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that all of our clinics have been doing a lot of really interesting redesign, everything from the same kind of, of um clear protective barriers that you see at a grocery store now between somebody. Right. So we're yeah. installing mm -hmm. those. We're right. making sure we're socially distanced appropriately. Um, if there is a waiting room, some clinics have set up that they text you, you wait in your car and they text you to come in when it's your turn. And so really making sure that we're doing the things we know can um, prevent the spread of virus, which is the standing more than six feet apart, making sure Purell is ubiquitously available, washing hands constantly, using cloth face cloths um, uh, for, for people that are in close quarters um, or medical grade face cloths if you're within the clinic itself. So really doing everything we can to make sure that we're, we're following the evidence, we're following the guidelines, and we are, are contributing to the solution, not the problem. Amy, in your role, which is so vast, um, you know, over the entire system, seven states, a lot of the clinical data too, you oversee that piece too. And tell a little bit about, you know, what province is able to discern having so many access to so much patient data and um, how we're able to really look at those um, kinds of data moving forward to, to really see where we are getting cases and those kinds of things. Because I know there's a big worry out there. What's going to happen if it comes back? How are we prepared and how is all the data and the science behind it? Um, you know, how are we so at the forefront there? Yeah, it's such a great question. Thank you so much for asking. And, and I'm going to have Kevin chime in in a minute. You know, one of the first things that we did when, when the epidemic started, so honestly, it was back in January, is our crack clinical analytics team started building um, a, a tool to help us understand what we were seeing. You know, it's, it, as, as Kevin knows, when you're in the clinic seeing one patient at a time, you can learn about one patient at a time. But in order to learn faster, you kind of have to take a step back and say, what's this look like across our entire footprint? What's it look like across seven states and what's happening? Right. And so yeah. we have these amazing tools now that allow us to not only look at what have been the outcomes, um, which so we've got some great publications coming out on what the outcomes of our care has been, but also now predictive analytics by looking at the amount of data that we have. Um, there's a tool, it's got a fancy name called syndromic surveillance. But what that does is, is it puts on a map and it's basically what Jon Snow, not the, not the Game of Thrones Jon Snow, but the original epidemiologist Jon Snow with the Broad Street pump in England, um, that Jon Snow, what he did was actually start putting pin points on a map 
um, where cholera cases were in downtown London. Well, mm -hmm. we've got that now with COVID, that if if we have cases of a virus um, in, in a particular location, if we now see a second case of that virus diagnosed at that same location, we can say, bing, bing, we might have a cluster, right? So we can do cluster identification very early and work with the states to do the important epidemiologic tools of contact tracing and isolation of people who might be exposed, right? So that's one. The other one, the syndromic surveillance, that's looking for people with symptoms who have fever, cough, shortness of breath. And even if we don't have testing in a market, if we're seeing that triad of symptoms, fever, cough, shortness of breath, we can see spots on the map start to light up. And then we can dive in and say, hey, 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 before we get, let this get out of control, let's see if we can do something to interrupt the virus replication and, and get hold of it. And with those two things, what we can do then is, is this, this gross blunt instrument of social distancing where everybody stays home. We can start doing yeah. that with much more surgical precision saying, mm -hmm. well, most people can, can start going more closer to their, their daily life. Um, this little pocket needs to do the social distancing and the, and the um, isolation. And so it allows us to, to let most of the economy get moving if we have these better predictive analytic tools as well as early sensing. Amy, really you're, exciting. Yeah, yeah, Kevin, please add yeah, to it. You're so correct. And what's amazing is being at, even at the sharp end of and using all of these tools and so that way our caregivers know if a patient comes in that yes, they may be at a higher risk for COVID-19 than another potential patient. And so it really mm -hmm. helps to guide us so it's we're keeping our community safe. The other interesting thing about the tools and the knowledge that we've developed is Providence, it helps us to plan for our PPE, what we call personal protective equipment. So stuff mm -hmm. like masks and gowns, all those things that we need to keep our patients and our caregivers safe, we can track those um, with time, with increased anticipated volumes, with the need. And so that way we make sure that we have those, uh, that, that, that equipment ready, that we have the appropriate medications, all that stuff that we need. Um, we know exactly where we're at and then can anticipate in case we should, you know, unfortunately see a surge in the future. Yeah, I, I know. I I know all of you guys have been having these daily huddles for the last two months, at, or maybe longer than that, at seven o'clock, and um, just the the preparation. I think if people realized kind of the mini, um, you know, coalition that you guys have all built to really get the PP and E at Providence really to a level where we feel really confident moving forward has been pretty astounding. Um, and also thanks to all the community members who reached out to us early on to try to help us. You know, when we were we're scrambling a little bit on those early days. But, you know, speaking of PPE and um, patient safety and all that, if you are a patient or a family member and you're driving around or you're going to the grocery store, you're coming into the office, what should you be wearing? What kind of masks are working for patients? Do we have masks for patients that come in that might not bring something with them? Um, what, what should we do as patients when we come into the, the hospital or the clinic? You know, I... I'm so glad you asked because we're we're moving from where we have been, um, you know, slowly, gradually with all this state reopening from having socially isolated citizens to ha needing to have socially responsible citizens. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's been uh, just, uh, you know, I, I have to take a deep breath when we hear mixed messages coming out, um, you know, with, from 
we've got very clear guidance from the CDC at how individuals can be those socially responsible citizens and make sure mm -hmm. we keep control of this virus that we've all sat at home for six months trying to make happen. And now, now we want to keep that control. And to be a socially responsible citizen, the things that we do are the things you've been hearing about um, broadly in the news, minimize gatherings. So don't immediately go back to having your 12 of your best friends over for a dinner party, right? So, so minimize, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> Unfortunately, but, yeah. it, but it really is about making sure that we, we, um, keep the gains that we've had where we're minimizing the risk of contagion passing from one person to the other, because mm -hmm. it's not like social distancing has cured the contagiousness of this virus. We've just been able to tamp down how many people are getting exposed. And we wanna keep that, minimize the number of people getting exposed. So six feet apart, wear those face masks. They're a pain in the neck and I get it. I, I get out there and I take a walk every day and I find that I'm, I'm probably one in 10 people are wearing a face mask when they're out walking. Oh, but wow. what you do as a socially responsible citizen by wearing that face mask is if you happen to cough or sneeze or you're you're one of those people that that have the virus and you're just are lucky and don't know it, you're asymptomatic, mm -hmm. um, that you're protecting your neighbors, you're protecting your your friends, your colleagues from getting that germ. So wear the face mask when you're out in public, wash your hands often, don't touch your face, keep doing that stuff, but the face mask now, and, and for heaven's sake, if you go into a grocery store, if you go into Home Depot, if you're going to go out and do some gardening because you're, you're losing your mind and it's gorgeous outside right now and you got to get outside, right. um, you wearing your face mask keeps those you love safe. So please do it. Yeah, I was actually at a store yesterday. I had to buy some Mother Day, Mother's Day cards. And I think there's yeah, about 20% of the people had masks in, in this store. And as Amy alluded to, it's really about protecting, obviously, yourself, but as much other people. And maybe I'm healthy, but I don't know about, you know, the 10% of other people who may go to that grocery store who may be immunocompromised or more elderly. And thus, if they got COVID-19, they could have a really bad outcome. Yeah. You know, Kevin, can I, can I just, I'm going to pile on again <laughs> because I, because it's, it's such a great point. When I think about frontline workers, not only do I think of the healthcare heroes that we have the opportunity to work with, but I tell you those grocery store clerks and the oh, people working the gas stations so and the hard. people delivering food, they are heroes as well. They are putting themselves in harm's way because they're exposed to the public day in and day out. And, and it's not only healthcare heroes, it's frontline heroes. A big reason I, I believe, and so I need the evidence to prove it. Um, and part of what we're doing with our data is understanding what these outcomes are. But a big reason I believe that there's inequities in health outcomes where we're seeing higher risk of contagion and death rates in minority communities and, and um, communities with lower socioeconomic status is because those are the people putting themselves in harm's way. And so those of us that have the, the ability to shelter in place and just go to the store on occasion, you're keeping those essential workers safe by wearing the mask. Um, so I think, I think, again, if we want to make sure that that we live into our values of, of health for a better world, um, that we want everybody to have access to great health because we think health is a human right, um, wear the mask so that we can protect those that are the most vulnerable amongst us. You're so correct because we've worked hard as Providence to assure that we have enough masks for our caregivers, 
And for those patients who may not have their own mask who come into one of our one of our facilities, but the grocery stores, they don't necessarily have that or the other stores. And so by you wearing the mask, making sure you're doing hand hygiene beforehand, you're really keeping those people safe. And right now they're, they're some of the most vulnerable, hardworking people that we have in our communities. And, and speaking of really hardworking people, it's National Nurses Week. And um, yeah, I, I think it's been so fantastic to see nurses recognized in the way that they have always deserved to be recognized. And can you both from your leadership vantage talk a little bit about nursing and what that's meant to us all across the country, but especially at Providence here during this crisis? So, you know, Lori, um, when I would round clinically, sometimes I, I would get a compliment. Um, and I would always say this and say this so proudly. It's really the nurses, and Amy knows this as a physician, it's the nurses, the therapists, the CNAs, all those other caregivers that actually make us doctors look smarter than we actually are. And <laughs> a good nurse, and we have so many excellent nurses in Providence, they treat people with compassion, with dignity. You know, right now they're there holding patients' hands who aren't able to have a family member. You know, they're mm -hmm. listening to patients crying because of that of loneliness and, 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 you know, just concerned about their conditions. And they do that every single day. They work hard, tirelessly in terms of meeting the needs of the community. And, and as a physician, I am just so blessed to have partners who are just outstanding nurses. I couldn't agree more, Kevin, the, you know, as, as I kind of think about it, you know, um, that healthcare is a healing art, right? It's a healing profession. And when I think about what docs do is we lead with our head and what's the science and nurses lead with their heart. And it is the expression of, I mean, it, in our words, it's the expression of God's healing love. How mm -hmm. do we actually care for people? Well, it's hands-on, it's listening, it's holding hands. It is, it is applying the science, but in a way that truly touches the, the person, mind, body, and spirit that they're caring for. And that's what our nurses do day in, day out. And no wonder they are always, anytime somebody says, what's the most admired professions? Nurses are number one. <laughs> so um, the other thing I was, I had a conversation with our chief nursing officer a little bit ago, and we were talking about the fact that you know, pretty soon we're going to have our, our newly minted doctors starting on the wards. And I was reflecting back on when I first started, the people who taught me how to be a good doctor were the nurses. <laughs> like, you know that on July 1, if you go into a hospital and there's new residents out there, they're all going up to the nurses going, what do I do now? <laughs> right? So, so thank yeah. heaven we have nurses. What a time to be starting your career in healthcare, huh? I mean, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, funny, okay, Lori, please. I was just going to say, we're kind of at the end of our time here, and I just wanted to make sure um, you guys were able to share whatever thoughts you have with our audience out there about healthcare, what Providence is doing, and how we're moving forward in uh, the COVID plateau period, or maybe the, the, the uh, downing of the curve. So, Kevin? Sure. I, I'd want to say a couple of things. First of all, I cannot thank our communities enough for the support they've shown for our caregivers whether it be signs that we're seeing as we're driving up into our hospitals, whether it be the donations that people have made, the messages. I don't know how many thank you cards that we've received from different people in our community. And that means so much to us. And so we just thank you for the partnership. The one other thing I just like to say is in times of stress, whether it be um, 
medical, whether it be financial, quite frankly, we have both right now. Mm -hmm. A concern that I have is for people who are feeling depressed or feeling isolated right now. And I just want to encourage anybody who's having thoughts maybe of harming themselves or just needs some support, please reach out to us in Providence or another caregiver, because what you're feeling right now, first of all, is it's normal, right? In times of stress. And then on top of it, we can help you and we want to be available and do that for you. So we'll put up a little bit of message of how to get assistance, but please reach out for help. Really good point, Kevin. Thank you. Amy? I, I'm going to, again, Kevin, you just read my mind. It's perfect. Um, that it is normal. It is normal. It is normal. And if you're feeling the way I'm feeling, that times are uncertain, they're crazy. Um, and, and after this period where everybody's been so heroic, our communities, our nurses, our doctors, our health, everybody has been so heroic leaning in. And now is the aftermath of going, oh my gosh, how did we do that? Why did that happen? I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Everybody feels that way. We all feel that way. And so reach out for help. Now is the time. Um, we appreciate you. Um, and we know that, that we're going to go through the stages of grief after this yeah. with mm -hmm. anger, bargaining, frustration, um, till we get to the other side. Right. And so don't suffer at home. Healthcare is safe. Your healthcare can't wait. Um, get help for yourself. Mind, body, spirit, thank a nurse and happy mother's day. Yeah. Happy mother's day. Well said. Well, thank you all for joining us. Thank you so much, Amy and Kevin, for your time today and for everything that you've done. Um, your leadership has been extraordinary through, through these really extraordinary times that we're living through. So I want to appreciate you all and happy Mother's Day, Amy. Um, and to learn more about our initiatives, programs, services, and ways you can support the programs or the issues that we've just talked about, please visit us at providence.org. And your support is essential to us. A lot of um, people, I, I, I oversee the foundations. We've had a lot of gifts come through. Um, healthcare is in a bit of a financial crisis right now. We will get through it. But for any of you that are donating to Providence, we really appreciate that. Um, and make sure to follow us on social media at Providence Health System on Facebook and Instagram and under at Providence on Twitter. Have a great weekend, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And thank you to all the caregivers. We really love you and we value you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Lori. Bye. Thank you, Amy. Bye-bye.